Hey, welcome to Church Alive. Our mission is to reach, teach, and empower people to impact their generation for Christ. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the message. And if Faithville just said, come on, give the Lord a hand one more time. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Hey, grab your seat. Turn to the person next to you and tell them they're good looking. Who's looking forward to turkey? Who's looking forward to gravy, stuffing, pumpkin pie, apple pie, sweet potatoes, someone just said. Years ago when I, when I was in Virginia, I'd never seen sweet potatoes and then they put little marshmallows and little brown sugar on top. I thought the devil had showed up. I was like, what is that? But uh, some of you like it and... Um, We'll pray for you later. <laughs> we've been in a series in our church called As It Is in Heaven, and we began to talk about unveiling Delilah, and then we began to talk about unveiling Jesus, and last week, Steve Rosick brought a great message on restored identity. I want to talk to you today along this thought of the title, and if you like taking notes in church, I believe you'll get to heaven um, not sooner, but I think you'll get more rewards in heaven and because uh, you encouraged your pastor um, or your pastor, whichever way you want to say it. It's fine with me. Um, but the title of my talk is, It's Time to Show Up. It's time to show up. Um, how many know there's a big difference between attending and showing up? Um, have you ever been to a football game or a basketball game and you bought a beverage, for instance? Maybe you even got some popcorn or some wings and uh, you yelled at your team a little bit. Like, you attended it. You were there, man. You made some noise. You increased the atmosphere. But how many you know it's a big difference when you're on the team? You've got a helmet. You've got pads. You are showing up to the game. Now, I've even found that uh, sometimes when it comes to commentators, commentators will say something along the line of, the, the team failed to show up, like they failed in the first half to show up, or the quarterback, where was he, did his, did his mentality, like did he not show up, and I want to say to, the, to you today that there's a big, huge difference, that God does not want you to just attend life, he wants you to show up in life, he doesn't want you to attend your marriage, he wants you to show up in your marriage. He doesn't even just want you to attend church, and I'm glad you're here, but he wants you to show up. I promise you, if you don't attend your job, but you show up at your job, how many know you get a promotion? And, and, and I believe that that spirit is the spirit with which that woman brought her issue, a 12-year dysfunctional disease to Jesus, and it wasn't just her show, sorry, it wasn't just her attending to a crowd, it was her showing up with tenacity, with determination, with diligence. Can I get a good amen? I think if you look in the dictionary under tenacity, you'll see a picture of the woman with the issue of blood. Tenacity means this, the quality or fact of being very determined. Let's give her some credit for a moment. She has thousands of reasons not to show up. Twelve long years 
12 years times 365 days is a lot of days. Spent all her money, spent all of her money on doctors claiming that they would heal her. And the Bible says that she only got worse. And then the one day she's going to find Jesus. Actually, there is a huge crowd around her and she has multiple excuses over time to not show up. Can I suggest to you today that one of the biggest hindrances to your life is excuses? Am I preaching to anyone this morning? Aren't we good at telling ourselves excuses why we couldn't and why we shouldn't and why we couldn't get up out of bed in the morning and why we couldn't pay our bills and why we couldn't go to the gym and why we couldn't go to church? You know, sometimes I invite some people to something. I'm like, hey, man, you should come to a transform group. And the guy will say to me, I'll try. And right there, I want to slap them. Because I can already tell from the speech, they're making excuses. But aren't, aren't, you, aren't you just one of those people that just says, you know, I've got to address the excuses in my life and I have to actually kill them. Listen to this. When we refuse, my first point today is this. When we refuse to allow our excuses to inhibit our actions, we begin to show up in life. I truly believe one of the greatest enemies of my life, one of the greatest enemies of your life, one of the greatest enemies of you becoming the person you are meant to be is actually you tell yourself, we tell ourselves excuses time and time again. Moses was one of the greatest leaders to ever live, but when God shows up to him, he has five distinct excuses on why he can't do what God has assigned him to do. But don't you think that Moses at the end of his life looks back on his life and thinks to himself, I'm glad I didn't just attend my father-in-law's sheep. But he says, I'm glad I killed my excuses so that I could become the person I'm meant to be. See, if he had just attended his father's sheep, he never would have made it to the Bible. And I know I'm preaching to someone that there are some excuses in your life that they are your biggest enemy. Sometimes it's your upbringing, sometimes it's your financial situation, sometimes it's this didn't work out and this didn't work out. But if you will actually address some excuses in your life, the potential of your life can begin to actually move forward, go upward and continue to charge on and you can become, let me say this again, you can become, you can become who God wants you to be. Do you believe it, anyone? When you make excuses and keep repeating them, you give them power. You give them power. I give them power. And I'm guilty of this sometimes. Sometimes I say to myself, I'm not an organized person. Anyone else ever said that before? But do you know the power of that is actually this? Is that uh, brain scientists tell us this, that when you tell yourself you're not something, your brain listens and says, okay, I'll do that for you. How many ever try to remember someone's name? How many think it's a struggle? But do you know that actually telling yourself you never remember names, your brain is listening and goes, oh, you never remember names? Okay, you'll never remember names. Because your brain has this power to soak in, and what you tell yourself, you end up believing. Let me tell you a story of a, a set of twins. There was a, a, a set of twins, and they had an alcoholic father. 
And one man asked him one day, why are you an alcoholic? And he said, I'm an alcoholic because my father was an alcoholic. He asked the other brother, why are you not an alcoholic? And he said, I am not an alcoholic because my brother, my father is an alcoholic. So I refuse to be what he will be. Are you with me, Church Alive? But I don't want to spend my time focusing on how she got healed. I think many preachers have preached that message. What I want to and what I feel like I, I need to focus on is this. It isn't just her being healed that's important. It's actually her going home and becoming whole. Jesus says to a woman who's been stuck in a diseased fashion for 12 years, she says, he says, daughter, your faith has healed you. There is a power transfer from Jesus to her in one moment. And he says to her, daughter, which gives her a new position, your faith has healed you. And then she's got to go back home. The problem is when she goes back home, she has 12 years of dysfunctional living, 12 years of habits, 12 years of patterns, 12 years of the way she walks, the way she relates to people is dysfunctional. The way she relates to her money is probably dysfunctional. She is probably a beggar, now she's got to do a resume. She is probably a beggar and now she's got to dress different. Do you understand that sometimes when you've been stuck in a certain way of living for so many years, it's one thing to be forgiven, but it's another thing to be whole. And I believe that as much tenacity as she showed to get to Jesus, to be forgiven and healed, is the same tenacity that you and I need to come to the house of God, be forgiven, be healed, but then leave the house of God and be whole. Is anyone in here committed to being whole? I don't want to just be forgiven. I want to be whole. I don't just want God to call me a child of God. Guess what? I need to act like a child of God. Are you with me? To bring her life to a new norm and a new level of wholeness, God does not ask for perfection, though, from you. But He asks for perpetual progress. Isn't stuck just our enemy? Isn't just stuck in life? He asks for perpetual progress. You're like, what Bible scripture do you give me for that? Second Peter chapter 1. I've preached it so many times. I think I've overused it in our Bible, in our church. So let me just give you the summarized version. It says, add to your faith knowledge. Add. Someone say add. And then add to your faith knowledge and add to your knowledge goodness and add to your goodness it says mutual affection and then add to your mutual affection love so let me give you this thought if you have a hard time loving people start being friendlier because i have not found that i walk out of certain environments and i'm just way more loving actually i've found over time that as i get to know people and that you tell them hey i like you hey i love you haven't you noticed that once you actually say i love you that it's easier the next time to say i love you Hey, man, I'm for you. I'm, I'm praying for you. I, I, I love you. I, I grew up in a home that was healthy and, well, somewhat healthy. And my dad would tell me he loved me sometimes. But that's not a normal thing for me to tell another guy, I love you. But how many know the great commandment is, I love you? Like, the greatest commandment is love God and love people. But if you can't even be friendly to people... How can you love? And but the essence of Christianity is love. So how do you grow in it? Well, you tell people, first of all, I like you. <laughs> hey, man, good to see you. 
I believe, yeah, and you get to know people, and you actually, you, you'll notice in our church, we like to kind of give a manly handshake and a bit of a hug. Why? Because we don't need to be like weirdly hugging. Let's just, let's do it manly, right? But I've noticed that in the culture of our church, I've noticed in the culture of who we are, if men will actually say it more often, then they start feeling it. Because the truth is that you don't become generous by giving one time. You don't feel feelings of generosity. No, you give and eventually you become generous. You actually love people and eventually you become more loving. Is anyone here to grow today? She has to change the way she does relationships. She's got to change the way she does money. She's got to change the way she views the house of God. The house of God was the place that used to tell her, you are unclean. The house of God, the synagogue, was the place where she would be told, you're unclean. And she has to go from a person who probably had bitter feelings toward the house of God. Bitter feelings towards the place where Jesus said, go to to then completely look at anew what it means to be a part of a vibrant community. And some of you, I would suggest to you today that church as a whole, it used to be the place that you felt like it called you unclean. It felt like it called you and pointed out your failures. Here's the reality. The truth of the law is actually only made to point out your failures. Do you know that the law was actually built so that you would recognize your failures, but then one day cry out to God for mercy? The law, literally, the book of Romans says that the law was actually a schoolmaster to bring you to Christ. To bring me to Christ. Because if you actually look at the Ten Commandments, you literally go, whether in heart or deed, you literally broke all of them. Isn't that discouraging? I used to do this thing in, my, in our church years ago. I would ask people, how many of you have lied? And then all of a sudden, like 50% of the church would put up their hand. And then the other 50% realized they were still more liars. <laughs> and then I'd ask people, how many of you have never stolen anything? And normally there'd be one person literally in our church who'd never stolen anything. And you're like, I'm in church. How come I'm surrounded by a bunch of liars and thieves? <laughs> And that's just the first two of the Ten Commandments. (laughs) Not the first two, but it's the two. So isn't it interesting that the most moral of people, bunch of liars, bunch of thieves. It's like we're pirates. (laughs) Ha ha, me mateys. (laughs) Listen to what Mark chapter 5, Jesus has literally prayed and, and declared a man that had major demonic problems he said he cast out the demon and then watch this as Jesus was getting into the boat the man who had been demon possessed begged to go with him Jesus did not let him but said go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you Isn't that amazing that Jesus doesn't say, yes, another disciple, come follow me. He says, no, now that you're healed and forgiven, go home, fix home, get home healthy and people will believe you that you've actually encountered me. There's something just telling people I've met Jesus. There's also another thing called showing people you've met Jesus. Are you with me? 
Let me say this about your job. Don't attend Monday. Show up on Monday. Don't attend your marriage. Show up to your marriage. Don't attend. Don't just come. Don't just attend. I Listen, I love it if you're here and you're coming. But eventually, I promise you, knowing God will help you Sunday, but getting set free will be when you're around a circle of other people and you'll find freedom and purpose. See, the job of this church isn't just to get people forgiven and saved. It's actually say, go home and be whole. Because out of the wholeness, do you then continue to serve Jesus? One of the requirements of a leader of a church is that actually he takes care of his own house. Because I don't care how much you say hallelujah. You got to go home. Are you, is anyone with me? Okay, bunch. Of, here's the thing. When you come in married, you're like hallelujah. And the woman like, yeah. Yes, and the guy's like, all right, I'll just, yeah. <laughs> See, here's where she believes you, men, and here's where he believes you, ladies, when you go home and make home whole. It is sometimes easy, depending on your background, to yell hallelujah, but the loudest hallelujah you yell is actually at home. Hear me again. The loudest yell you yell is at home. That means the people who know me the most, I want them to respect me the most, not despise me the most. The house of God is a house of transformation if you let it be. Exactly. Babies will shout hallelujah if you start changing. Babies are like, you need to go to church. You get happy when you come back. I was talking to someone the other day, he's like, man, I realize every time my son, he's 18, 19, he goes to church, he realizes he's happier when he comes back. I'm telling you, because the house of God is a house of joy. I was listening to a leadership podcast recently by Craig Rochelle, and he talked about really showing up with his kids. He said, I realized that I was saying no too often to my kids, and I didn't want to be a father that's saying no all the time, and it kind of challenged me because I love being a father, and I love playing with my kids, but as I listened to it, I said, wait, they're asking me to play a lot, and am I becoming a dad of no? I just sat, sat down, guys, and I just want to have coffee. I'm just starting to read this book, guys. You know what? I'm just watching a little TV. And my kids will go, Daddy, can we play? Can we play? And I realized for probably the last couple of months, I'd become a bit more of the dad of no. And I realized that I had to show up when I'm home and make sure when I come home, the fun also comes home. So anyway, recently they were like, Daddy, can we play? And so we play this game called Trapezius. Like, what's trapezius? Trapezius is basically, they run away from me, but if I get them, I squeeze their trapezius muscle, and then they just go, it's a lot of fun. You should try it sometimes. Grab a little king, just grab this muscle, this one right here, trapezius, right? And you just grab it, squeeze it a little bit. So we get, and my kids love it. They're like, Daddy, can we play trapezius? Can we play? I'm like, sure. And then they run, and, and I grab either their trapezius, I, I grab their little calf muscle, and I just squeeze it right in the middle, and I just go, <laughs> And then the other day, so my little daughter Hope, she's all the time asking me, Daddy, can we play trapezius? And the other day we're playing, 
and I'm running around after her. She tries to escape me, and I put out my arm to get her, and she hits my arm, and then she bowls over, and she smashes her teeth right on the ground. She's blood everywhere. We go to the dentist. My wife is like, you threw our kid. I was like, I didn't, I didn't, we were playing trapezius, babe. I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? She's like, babe, you basically just smashed your daughter's teeth. And I tell that story. I tell that story because even when you plan to show up more, it doesn't mean you're going to show up perfectly. It doesn't mean you're going to do it right every time. But if you keep showing up, good things, good things are going to happen. You know, sometimes I watch some young people come to our Transform Men groups on a Wednesday night and normally around that high school age, and I notice often that they attend it, but I'm not sure they show up. Because if you're on your phone the whole time before, and you didn't look anyone in the eye, didn't shake a hand, didn't look them straight in the eye, didn't, didn't introduce yourself, you attended, you didn't show up. Sometimes you can show up on your Instagram, but I think we need some more people to show up in real life and get some real connections. Nothing wrong with it, but let's just keep it in balance. They made it addictive for a reason, to make money from you. I know you're popular there. I know everyone knows you. I know you look good there. Probably a little bit more important to show up in real life, don't you think? Let me give you this quote. Be the man you wish your father was. And you don't have to keep saying, but my father wasn't around. Listen to 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 2. David speaking to his son Solomon, he says, show yourself a man as he's about to pass on to the next life, as Solomon is about to become the king. Listen to what one writer said. This is kind of another translation. You could say this is in the Hebrew. It says, become what it means to be an exceptional man. I don't think any one of us wants to go to the grave and go, he did it average. But isn't that the tendency? Isn't that the lure? Isn't that the pull? We all have to fight our own excuses sometimes. And this woman models for us so beautifully that she didn't just attend Jesus, she showed up to Jesus. She literally showed up and accessed the power of God, but now she's got to go home and make her home a place of wholeness. But I also want to say this, she makes that place. How many of you think that she's a little bit passionate about helping some other women who had the same issues that she had. Unfortunately, I wish this wasn't the case, but the truth of the matter is you are often most passionate in the area where you've had the most pain. I wish it wasn't true. I wish it was just people just got passionate. But I just want to say to you, if you take the painful moments of your life and say, God, would you put your grace on it, your mercy on it? Would you heal me? Would you make me whole? But now I pray that you would give me a passion to help someone else. She didn't just get to Jesus now. For the first time in her life, perhaps, she's now in a position to serve someone. She's now in a position where she has a passion to serve other people. You see, God has a destiny for your life, I promise you. But you, you fulfilled your destiny by helping others fulfill their destiny. 
That's why you shouldn't just attend church, but you should show up. Show up with your gift. Show up with your talent. Show up with your who you are. Yes, keep growing, but continue to show up. When you leave this life, it won't be our intentions that change the world. It will be your actions. When I leave this life, it won't be my thoughts. And I talk a lot about the renewing of the mind, and, and I believe it's one of the most critical aspects of this Christian life. But I, I, I perhaps think to myself, have I put too much emphasis on the renewing of the mind and not enough emphasis on action? Because I find if I'm committed to a certain action, my mind has to get itself to the right perspective anyway. Like if you are just committed to marriage, you're going to get your mind in the right place. If you are committed to Jesus, you need to get your mind in the right place. If you are committed to the house of God, then you just got to get this mind in the right place. Am I preaching to anyone? I believe it's not enough to come to Jesus and be healed. I have to commit to the journey of wholeness. I have to commit to the journey of wholeness. Can I have the worship team to come back? Listen to this quote by Theodore Roosevelt. See, when you come to Jesus, He heals you. He can make you whole or, or heal you, but then you've got to go home and make that environment whole. And then out of that wholeness, will you have the longevity to serve Jesus? How many know that we don't just need people to serve Jesus for one year? But we need people who have whole homes so that they can serve Jesus for years. I, I don't want my wife, I don't want everyone else to be impressed by my preaching. I want my wife to be impressed. Because she'll know whether I'm living it or not. It's one thing to get up. Anyone can get up in front of a crowd and impress some people you don't know. But it is the people that are closest to you that know you the most. And that's the challenge, isn't it? Isn't that the challenge to actually live out this thing called walking with Jesus? It is the people that you know. Listen to what Theodore Roosevelt said. This is why I believe action is so important. This is why I believe our dream teams are not just some nice thing that, that we serve on a Sunday, but it's, it's something that we become. It's something that we do. As we go into giving Christmas away season, it's not just a nice thing we do for the community. It is our actions that will speak loud. Listen to what Theodore Roosevelt says. He says, it is not the critic that counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or the doer of deeds could have done them better. He says, the credit belongs to the man who is actually or woman in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming but he who does actually strive to do the deed who knows the great devotion who spends himself in a worthy cause who at the best knows at the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst if he fails while daring greatly knows that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat I felt like the Lord wanted me to share this story in the place of worship this morning and to be honest I don't even like sharing this story because it's, it's not that nice 
years ago, we hadn't seen my dad for five years. My dad was part of our lives for my whole growing up experience. But once my wife and I got married, three months later, they were divorced. Once they got divorced, he basically spiraled on down into uh, addiction, alcoholism, lived above a pub at one stage of the game. And then finally, he's probably spent his last eight years like this. We hadn't seen him in five years, no contact, no Facebook messages, no nothing. Didn't know really where he was. We heard he was in Sydney somewhere. I'd called some um, men's shelters and so forth. And then one time I called this men's shelter and they're like, yeah, we, we know who your dad is. We saw him maybe four months ago and I'd been praying. I was going back to Australia, was there for about two weeks and I'd been praying that God would open a door that I would see my dad. And so we go to Sydney and basically I committed this one day to go search for him. Um, I showed up at this one's men's shelter and the guy, he's not here. And then he looks at me and goes, oh, I think you might know where he is. So anyway, he walks me over about three blocks away and then he points to me and says, I think your dad's right over there. So I walk over, give my dad a hug, talk for, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes. But when you've been giving yourself to alcohol, you don't have super long conversations with people. So talking for 20, 30 minutes was, was actually a big deal. Then it was time for me to go. I had to fly to America the very next day. It was just a hard moment, to be honest, emotionally. And I know lots of people have gone through harder things than I have. But that was one of the most difficult moments of my life. Because I hug a man who'd been there when I was young. And then... Um, look away and I'm like how's it how's it even possible that my dad is homeless like how's that how's that possible next day drop to the airport still thinking about it was pretty upset about it and um I was thinking about him being on a chair like sitting on a homeless chair the Holy Spirit speaks to my heart as clear as I've heard him he says I want you to redeem that story that story. He says, I don't want it to be a waste. I don't want your pain to be a waste. I want you to use pain and turn it into purpose. I want you to take the broken part of your life and would you help that broken part of your life and would you bring and would you preach to people and would you help them bring healing to their life? Stay standing just for a moment. See, the funny thing is, when I speak, I talked to a friend of mine a while ago. He's like, man, I'm not sure why, but when I speak before men, I am the most nervous I'll ever be. But I have not found that's my story. For some reason, when I speak to men, I feel like a lion stands up within me. Like I really do. It's, it's, it's like God turns up the gas. Because when I stand before men, all of a sudden I sense this lion rising within who is fighting for someone to become greater than they could be, to become more. I, I tell you, a lion roars in me because I want you, you want you to be a champion. Ladies, this is for you when you bless the man.
believe in this place there's some people here and you believe in God but perhaps he's never really become your father when I was 18 years old for some reason it meant so much to me that God was a perfect father and he has been that to me perfect all across this place if you've never met Father, through the person of Jesus Christ, this church exists so that you would. Jesus died on a cross, rose from the dead, that the gap between mankind and the Father would be bridged. So if you're here today and you ran away, slipped away, fell away, have never received the person of Christ, today... I tell you, today I tell you, He wants you to come back by faith. He's already paid the price. He's already paid it. Every single one of you just needs to receive it. So in this place right here, if you've ran away, slipped away, turned away, wherever you are, I'm inviting you back to Him. We're going to pray a prayer, and that prayer will connect you to a person. Come on, say, Jesus, thank you dying on a cross for my mistakes my sin I believe you are the bridge I believe you are the door to the Father by faith I receive your grace I turn to you I trust in you I thank you in Jesus name that's you in this place, you prayed that prayer, you meant business with God, you're coming back to God or receiving Him for the very first time, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand all across this place, right here, right now, raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand, all across this place, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, just long enough for me to see it, come on, long enough for me to see it, yeah, we can give them a hand, for those of you that raise your hand, that's awesome today, come on, come on, come on, we're just going to sing it, just one more chorus, just for a moment, come on, let's sing if you want to hear more empowering messages and learn more about Church Alive, make sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at churchalive.tv. We hope to see you this weekend. Have a great week.